Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience revelatory teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome to ABCs of Apostleship 2, Discipling Scripturally, Organic, Culturally Unmodified Christians, (laughs) because that's what we're doing. This is Prophet Ashley, and I I just don't even know what to expect tonight. Oh, Dr. Price said she doesn't either, which means it's going to be really, 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 really good. Uh, Just deeping, uh, I should say, jumping into the deep end of being culturally unmodified, scripturally organic. If you've been tuning into Dr. Price, now you can catch her on Sundays where she is really honing in. She has us running. She keeps saying we have her running, but she has us running. But we are going to continue in this journey of being scripturally organic, not just organic, but scripturally organic. What makes the scriptural difference? Why is that essential? Why is that the acid test? to show and to prove what is really of God and what is not. Are we going to go there? Sure. Why not? We always end up there. Stock price. We always end up in the word. I think it's safe to say that that's what we're going to end up is in the deep end of the word of God. Well, you're always showing us that it's all deep and it's all relevant. But being culturally unmodified, Sunday, she talked about don't get sprayed. I had my one of my advisors today. She said, ooh, but I like that spray bottle, though. Don't get sprayed by culture. Don't get sprayed by the repellents that want to keep you away from God and keep you wanting to be um, irritated in your spirit and irritated in your soul at the things of God. And it shows up in subtle ways, the reasons you don't want to do devos, the reasons you don't want to read your Bible. It doesn't necessarily chase you into a club. That's overt. Uh, this campaign is very covert with the saints. It's very covert. I don't know. I want to go to church. You go later. You go to first service. You used to be that first service person sitting in the middle or the front, and then you end up being that last, the second service, last service of the day. Well, I'll just go on Saturday night. Well, I'll just go on Sunday night. It's all the word. It's all the same, right? And you are are slowly and subtly being lulled and wooed away from the Lord, from his house, from his gathering, which to me is the first that the first assault of being pulled back into the things of this world is having that irritation in your soul against gathering with the saints. Anytime you're a Christian and you don't want to gather with the saints, you know you're in trouble. Now, some saints I can understand. We do ministry. We understand. But in general, if you have an aversion and you are actually repulsed in your soul at the idea of gathering with the saints anywhere, Bible study, that's just boring, Christians, they're just cheesy. Christian music, it's just so far behind the time. Well, that's not even true anymore. I mean, Christian music now, sometimes you don't know who's. It may not be Christian. All right, it may not be Christian. It's very modified by culture. Uh, But when those things start kicking in, and those are the phrases that are coming out of your mouth more than the edification of the body, more than affirming what God is doing in his church, in the kingdom. And Oh, no, I don't watch Christian television. I don't, you don't read Christian books. Don't watch Christian television. Don't hang out with Christians. Don't go to anything godly. Then don't like God and only go to church once a week when you have to. And if service goes more than 90 minutes, you are mad. You have been sprayed. You, you want me to go to that spray piece. Mm-hmm. You signify it. I hear you signifying. <laughs> She's signifying God. Yeah. 
she wants me to go to the spray bottle. Oh no, 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 no. Not if not if that's no, no, not if that's not on tonight's uh, thing. People go back to Periscope. That's exactly what I thought. And they can check it out from Sunday, but it was a very powerful message, especially on the heels of the franchise. Mm-hmm. The Godhead franchise. Did they have to get message. No, unfortunately they were not around for that yet. <laughs> we weren't broadcasting that yet. Yeah, we don't even want to hurt them because they're going to get you for that. We don't, but we'll make the audio available mm-hmm. where Dr. Price taught on how the Godhead has got the franchise on this, and she broke down in any in McDonald's. <laughs> you show up in the wrong uniform, you flip a burger the wrong way, you are breaking the solidarity of the franchise, and they will, corporate will come in on you. Yeah. Because most people don't realize these restaurants and these chains are independently owned. Mm-hmm. They bought into the franchise and the brand, and you must maintain those standards. We've seen it with the hotels. When they buy into a new franchise, the first mandatory thing they do is they have to upgrade or remodel certain aspects of the uh, hotel to make it compatible with the franchise they bought into. Hmm. I know that's real. And it's expensive, and it's costly, and there is a price just like the gospel. <laughs> but that's what you do when you buy in. Hey, but you know what? They determine how it goes. That's true. Well, I guess I'm going to have to come on and do what I'm supposed to do. Is that right? I'm yeah. Boy, oh, boy, I've been having a day, a day, and a day in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not ready yet. <clears throat> I've been having the day of days. Can I just say the day of days? And um, but while, while, while we still have your voice out there, the woman behind the camera, which is what you're becoming known for, <laughs> I have it. Um, I would like you to tell them about our television show and the stuff we have going on. Well, you are live on your network, Dr. Price. And you told me I'm getting subscribers almost every single day. You are, drpaulaprice.tv. Yes. Is where people can find you 24-7 without commercial interruption, uh, without the, the – uh, hassle of the freezing and the buffering <laughs> and the whatever and I can't and it jumped and it skipped and sometimes sure you sometimes come but you appreciate them but then but then mm-hmm. sometimes you just want to watch the message and so it is the hope of the scripturally organic culturally unmodified network. Everything is now going to be branded with that. Everywhere we can find because that is what is ringing with heaven. Mm-hmm. You said uh you want to start sharing? Yes, please. Yeah. So we're going live here. Whoops. Oops. No. We're going live. I like live. Live is good. <laughs> live is great. Live is good, you know. I tell you. So anyway, you were no. talking about our brand. But see, we we got a franchise going on here too. Like the Holy Ghost. We do. And you're, you've said for years and years and years, there's a reason that God has instructed Matt to have apostleship. I mean, you've said that as, as many years as I've been with you, 17, almost, mm-hmm. going up on the 17th year. Wow. I know. Isn't that powerful? It is powerful. And But you said when when we strike the right chord, I'm telling you, that's God's true. going to light the match on apostleship. And we can have all of our opinions about the evangelical dispensations and faith and name and claim and receive and whatever. Shake and bake, snatch and take. But when it was in its season, God bore witness to it. Mm-hmm. There were no questions about what was going on. That's the truth. There was no confusion about who was what. And he didn't stop. He didn't stop. There was <laughs> unity in the camp. 
Yep. And those guys said all the time, well, I mean, I said what he said. Well, I just preached his message. I said it was him. I just so, thought it was him. And we used to laugh at that kind of stuff like, what? And now we see the power of that. Everybody's saying the same thing the same way. <laughs> and how the body can jump on and get a hold of it. I have gotten so much feedback about your PowerPoint <laughs> and the visuals and how it is really enabling people to immediately grasp what you're talking about. Yes, and Sunday we were PowerPoint rich, weren't we? Yes, and one of my students was watching from the <laughs> East Coast, and she said, but I got I like that spray bottle. <laughs> but I get it. I love the spray. And the image <laughs> lets them get it, but hitting on this spiritually organic, culturally unmodified ring. It rings in the heavens. It rings in the earth. It <laughs> resonates in people's souls. We were at a worship service on Sunday night, and I was speaking. I told you I was speaking to one of the ministers who goes way back in Tulsa. My goodness, in the 90s. We don't know what's back. We talk about way back. Yeah, but it is when. I know, it is. And I was telling him about what you are preaching on, mm-hmm. because we were talking about worship being in trouble and, and people being in trouble, not being able to worship. And I said, you know, Dr. Price is teaching on this scripture, organic, culturally unmodified, uh, apostolic Christian. He was like, wait. That's the problem. He said, that is the problem. <laughs> In that statement alone, it explains everything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what type of Christian you are, how deep, how not deep, you're a boss or you're not in a boss. Well, mm-hmm. You start saying that kind of stuff and people are like, We've seen it. That's the issue. We've seen it. We sat we sat it in we sat around tables, uh-huh. we've had people out to dinner, and it's almost like it's as if the Lord has been hearing the question, hearing the question, hearing the question, waiting to give the right answer at the right time, and I dare say at, to the right person. Yes. You know, because so many people have bought into culture. I appreciate what you just said. I, I really do. I, you know, I really, I really do. I'm trying to get this last piece here because, you know, the machine was freezing. That's well, all right. We got it going on. Yeah. I'm good. I'm set. Oh, I'm good. I'm going to say you look at my slide. It's black. I'm looking for a drum up studio. You look so smart. I look smart. You're smart. I told you it was a brain under these lens. That's <laughs> 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 It's a brain under these lens. <laughs> no, that's right. But, yes, and, and going, I mean, this whole thing is just mushrooming and much in me. The whole campaign. It really is. Uh, setting a blaze. And when you put up on the monitor in church two weeks ago about eternity in the now, mm-hmm. that's what you were preaching when I joined the church 17 years ago. Yes. And and in the 80s when I started a church. Now I finally get it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember thinking, what is what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't even, and at that time, I was like 20, just turning 21, and I thought, what does that mean? Like, conceptually, I can't even understand eternity in and out. Now, since then, we have had 25 hero movies, superhero <laughs> movies, where people from super other, villain movies. Super villain movies, and people from <laughs> other worlds are coming into this one and setting up camp, and, and so we've had this whole intergalactic even theatrical demonstrations mm-hmm. on the big screen, and you, over the years, breaking this thing down, breaking it down. And I said, this apostle has come full circle. Mm-hmm. I had it with come. it, 
it's fresh. I was speaking to one of the, uh, an elder, uh, Elder John, and Apostle Nona's church, and he said, man, because he helped build the network. He said, I am loving watching Dr. Price. <laughs> he said, let's just talk television. He said, who knew she was doing this years ago? He said, you have the set, you have the lights, you have the camera, you have the whole, like, you did this. Did this. And he said, the world needs, I mean, everybody, we're just on fire about mm-hmm. drpaulaprice.tv, just on fire. People can't talk enough about how it is changing them. Just the concentrated word, the, the dimensions. I think that, I know that you demonstrate the Apostle Mantle, what you talked about, being the sole mm-hmm. solutionist mm-hmm. that you are in dealing with. So you, you deal with the soul issues. You deal with the eternal issues. Mm-hmm. You deal with the Christian issues. And the worldly issues, the kingdom issues, marriage and family issues. I mean, Moses, you know. You got it up there, girl, too. come to your tent? Yeah. You did. (laughs) I'm Joshua, guys. I moved in. And didn't leave. You didn't leave. No, no. Came for dinner one night. Lord told me to spend the night, and I've been spending the lifetime. That's right. Um, You know, I, I, I really am grateful to God for trusting me to do this. I am thrilled because it's the truth. You know, you talked about, Ashley, all the things that I've done, and truly I'm pretty much a full pot. You know, it's very difficult to say what I haven't done somewhere, somehow, which is classic apostleship development and readiness. That's why the people who get born again today speak in tongues tomorrow, you know, an elder the next day, and by next Sunday they're apostles. They're not because what it requires to sit in that seat and to represent the throne of Christ is huge. It is absolutely massive. And I keep thinking about it. I was telling God today as I was doing my recording, I said, man, God, you just get mileage out of me, don't you? And so I, I, when I was in Jersey and I had to do all of these things and always looking for help, never had help, you know, because church people have, uh, no, church leaders have only a little bit of help anyway. And then you, if you don't fit the profile, you, you get a little less than that. And so I, was, I would fuss with God. I would cry. I would complain and whine. And, and, and finally God said, but I need you to learn it all. I need you to go the distance and to learn it all. And that was, what, 30 years ago. Well, here we are 30 years later, and there's not a whole lot that I can't say I can't handle on some level. You know, we've done the books. We've done the talk show. We've done the call-in show. We've done the radio show. We've done the curriculum and the travel, the itinerancy, the laying hands, the casting out devils, the, the, the bringing people up, the leadership training, you know, the building of this and the building of that. And let's not forget my favorite pastime, bounce back. Only because you're back. Honey, that's it. You know, back against the wall, I got to bounce back, you know. And so I appreciate now what I absolutely detested before. I mean, God couldn't get a good praise out of me three days in a row. I don't care what he did. Because if I gave him a praise on Monday, I was going to be upset by Tuesday because he didn't send me what I wanted the way I wanted. Quit on Wednesday. Oh, yeah, quit on Wednesday and then apologizing on Thursday. And hoping I could make up with him before Sunday so I could have his word to preach at Dinsdale Camp. So it was a nice little cycle that we went through for all of those years. But here we are today, and, you know, I would have thought that God was going to wait till my later life. I was trying to be all of this in the beginning, but that wasn't my call. I'm called to be a solutionist 
and I'm going to, you know, bring down solutions at a time that it can say the seasoning, the recovery, the persistence. I'm telling you, and that adds a richness. Somebody listen to me right now. That adds a richness and a depth and a dimension of, of expertise and a, a dimension of competence and persuasiveness that you can't have because you haven't been tried. That, you know, as much as we fuss and complain, the trials are needful, and the church is probably the only entity God has on the planet that doesn't understand trials are essential. We've got to be the only one. Every other entity understands. You go to your job, you got to have some tests and trials and quizzes, renewal, don't pass, you know, recertify, requalify, revalidate. You can call it whatever you want, but there's a re in front of all of it. After you do it once, the re comes, and then you got to keep doing it. You go to any job, any any doctor. I mean, your doctor's going to take two, three, four, five tests before they say, okay, you really got this, or you really don't have that. And yet when it comes to Christians, trials and tests, which Paul said abound, Peter said abound, all the apostles and the writers of Scripture, the prophets say abound in God's service, and we're like, I just understand, it's not going to be tried. If you were good, you'd be looking for a trial, because you you'll be looking for a place to show up. The only reason you don't want to be tried is because you, you know you can't pass. When do you dread a test the most in your life? When you haven't studied and you're ill-prepared for it. Because I'm going to tell you something, that racer wants to be tried. That, that athlete wants to be tried. Everybody who knows they've got it together wants to be tried. The only reason you don't want to be tried, come on now, I'm with my, I got one right there because they got me today. Boy, got, I'm loaded. I got all of my stuff. All the practice. Come home. But you think about it. The only time you ever dread being tested was when you were ill-prepared. And the time that you ran to a test is when you knew you studied it, you had the answers, you knew you would ace that thing. You said, try me. I know you got it. You will find. Jesus said, try me. You won't find anything. I promise you there's nothing in me that this world has. And the reason you hate trials and the reason you keep going through the same trial is because you won't study. You won't learn God. You won't grasp what he's trying to do. You keep looking at your trials as punishments. And they're not punishments. They're preparation. They're empowering. They're proving. God's got to prove to heaven and earth that you got this and that you can take it all the way. That is what the Lord is doing. I know my servant Job. I know Job has this. I know he can take it. I don't care what you throw at him. My servant Job is going to take good care of me. And so God is saying to you, you have to have it. If you've got it, you're going to stop running from God testing it. That's good. I thought that was so good. I had to do it again. That's it, didn't it? We had to get good words. Honey, we had to get good words for this here desk. But I want you to understand, when you start recognizing, sit back and look at where you're always tried. Look at where things happen. Pay attention to the cycles and, and the situations that, that come up. And then figure out, what am I not getting out of this? You know, we lived in that old hyper-faith issue, the season where God didn't, if it was good, it was God, it was bad, the devil, and we were the ones who were the judge of the good, the bad, and the wicked. And so God didn't know what he was doing. And a lot of people, you dropped your ministry too soon, my brother. I'm sorry, but you did. You let that whining wife keep, get you out of ministry. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost right now. That crying, fussy, contentious female got you out of God's service, and she, then she still left you because it wasn't about the ministry ever. It was 
just that when you took away her scapegoat, she didn't have any other reason to hide behind what she really felt about you and what she felt about her marriage to you. I'm sorry, sister, but you gave up your job too quickly. You shouldn't have closed your business down. You should have rolled out the storm. You should have sat down and said, okay, plan A is not working. What can I do? How can I be here tomorrow? What can I do to be here next month, to be here next year? I'm prophesying to somebody tonight, and I'm telling you, you're about to shut your door one day too soon. You're about to put in your resignation one day too soon. You're about to walk away from that relationship, walk away from that marriage one day too soon. Some of you all are 30 days out. Others are 60 days out. There's somebody, God said, if you wait 120 months, I promise you to turn around will blow your mind. I need you all to stop being cowards, running away from God's testing, turning tail and leaving whenever the heat gets up. Put on some, some fire, retarding clothes, and walk through the fire. Stop quitting, said the Holy Ghost. Stop quitting. Stop meditating on quitting. Stop contemplating on quitting. Stop trying to figure out how to quit and still get the best, how to quit and still get the harvest. God is talking to somebody this here night, on this night, right now at this broadcast, and he said, stay in your place. Because you will regret it, and you will regret it, and your children will regret it, and your family will regret it, because the cost of that loss is greater than you imagine. Become good at solving problems. Become good at working out. Become good at overcoming your obstacles. Start taking pride in the fact that you can make it happen when it shouldn't happen. You can make it happen when hell say it can't happen. Start taking pride in that instead of saying, I'm too good to suffer, and I'm sorry, I I didn't get in this for that, and God didn't call me to it. If God called you anything, you better know there's a trial attached to it. There's not a call God has that doesn't come with trials. Not one, because God runs with winners. God conquers with conquerors. And because we've made it so poetic and we've made it so so spiritual and, and so rhythmic and whatever, you have lost the wisdom of what this man is doing. God needs the mighty. He said God stands in the congregation of the mighty. Anybody hearing me tonight? Are you guys following me tonight? Because I'm telling you, God said, I'm tired of weaklings. I'm tired of the whining. I'm tired of the crying. I'm tired of the pouting, the tantrums, the tell-offs, and all of that nonsense, and you can't keep yourself alive. You can't even keep yourself from getting the common cold. How are you going to tell me, says God, what I'm doing right and wrong? You spend more time in the doctor's office, in the the prescription line, than you spend in standing on the word of the Lord. You can win this thing, says the Lord. And no, you may not win it year one. Year one, you might just get some strength. Year two, you might just get some confidence. Year three, you might just get some courage. Year four, you might decide that you'll be competent. Year five, you may be ready to be a conqueror. I can talk this because I lived it. I put up with it. You know, I had to do some very hard things to stand here and to do what God wants me to do. I had to leave everything behind. I didn't have the luxury of saying, I can't do this and I can't do that. God was like, do it or. I didn't ask him to figure out what or was because I figured if God said or, there's something very not nice on the other side of or. 
I'm just going to conclude that. That was my deduction. You know, because the God that saved my soul was not the lollipop king everybody else was playing with. He, never want, he wasn't a teddy bear. Do you know I tried to tell him that when he said, I am not a creature. I am the creator. Don't call me a teddy bear. Don't call me cuddly. I'm not that. Man, I was so happy I could get away with sugar pie Jesus. Woo, that was awesome. I'm like, hey, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I got no mileage with the Lord. The progress with the king. Yes, I am preaching, I am exhorting, and I'm rebuking, and I'm encouraging, and I'm inspiring, because some of you are about to miss the next wind of God, because the wave that's coming is not coming with just wind and just rain. It's coming with treasures. It's coming with prosperity. It's coming with the harvest. But you know the funny thing about a harvest? You need to be where the harvest is landing, not where you're running. Some of you are, your harvest came, but you were gone. How do I know that? I bet you there's more than a handful of you out there who can say, now, yeah, right after I leave, all the good stuff happens. After I leave, then the breakthrough comes. After I leave, then they get the so-and-so. After I left. And doesn't that tell you, you're so busy blaming them for being blessed, you don't want to blame yourself for leaving. You left your blessing. You left it. God didn't do it. They didn't do it. You left it. You, you entertained that conversation one time too many. You hosted that devil at your table one time too many. You had a cup of coffee with defeat one time too many. You put the buffet out on failure one time too many. And I'll tell you what, after a while, you started feasting on what you were complaining about. And your, your complaint became your abundance. I'm telling you by the spirit of the living Lord tonight, this season in God, running for the hills is not going to get you a blessing. Hiding out in the caves will not be. That is not it. God is looking for strong people and strong warriors. I was reading the book of Psalms. Yeah, I like to read the Psalms, especially the Psalms of David, because, you know, David is the, the, the genetic line of Jesus Christ. Dave, Jesus is the second and last David, like he's the last Adam. And so I like to read David because it gives you a true picture of Jesus' road to eternal sovereign. Because we think he didn't have one. And so I'm reading David, and then I'm reading how, in the end, how God just talked about, but I'm going to come back and do this, and I'm doing that, and I'm going to make that. I said, man, God, you talk tough. And he said, I am tough. And so when you think about it, and, you know, we always talk about those by those who come near God, they have to be holy. That holy doesn't just mean sanctified and sinless. It also means impervious to sin and invincible. There's an invincibility in God. There is a, a, an endurance in God. There's a, a, a steadiness to God that I'm telling you, when you move past the whining and the crying and, and all of that, you'll be fine. Here's what I'm going to tell you, Mama. You sit down at the table and you try to apologize to them little bratty teenagers because I had three. I had three. And you're apologizing to those bratty teenagers because you're saved, because you pray, because you go to church, and you love the Lord as if they can take care of their future, as if they can hold tomorrow in their hands. So let me tell you one thing. I never, ever, ever apologized to my children for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I never did. I never made him look anything but, but glorious and superb in their eyes. They could take it or leave it. They would have issues. I told them, if you eat my food, you're going to serve my God. 
You eat, you gonna wear my clothes, you gonna serve my God. You sleeping in my bed, you gonna serve my God. And you know why? Because all of this belongs to my God, and we're gonna take care of God like that. I never gave them the impression that they could blaspheme the Holy Ghost and blaspheme and criticize. I never allowed it, not once. I said you gonna back down off of that. Because, see, if your behind is up there laying, dying in cancer, i got to go to the same God that you just blasphemed. I want to make sure that he'll raise you up instead of leave you there as a judgment. They were never allowed to do it. They couldn't talk about my mom. you kidding? Now, they could, when they got grown, they went their way and kind of, you know, it was all right. Because you know what? I had peace. Hallelujah. But I never did. And all of you all apologizing to your children because you serve the, the most high God, the living God. You're letting them walk around there whining and act like a brat. And then when you get rid of God, they're going to pop, they're going to fuss about something else because fussy people fuss. That's what they do. There are cranky teenagers who are just cranky. They're just cranky, critical. They are your future nags. They're your future uh, aggravating adults. They're your future accusers, your future critics. That's who they are. They just role playing their destiny. I never allowed it. I never did. I have, as long as the Lord is a witness. I was like, we can, you could have a lot of issues, but you will not have an issue with the only one that can keep you on the planet. You'd have a lot of issues, not for my God. Because me and God, we, 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 are, we started out up close and personal. And from there, we went from there to glued. I never apologized. Are you kidding? I would thank God all the time. He's my honey. I tell everybody that's my honey. They all knew it. And my daughter, I remember my daughter being 10 years old saying, you know what, Mom, you got a real relationship with the Lord. I don't think I could do that. Five, just don't get in my way. Because I'm telling you, whether you find out how real God is in the beginning of your life or the end of your life, you can rest assured you will not leave this planet without knowing there is a God, he is real, and he's in control. And if that's the case, I'd like to have a good account with him. You know, in my worst sinning days, I didn't mess with God. In my worst days, I'm telling you, when I was doing stuff, that I was like, God, I'm so glad you do not tell our business. Amen. Because, honey, it was shameful. But you know what? I drew the line on messing with the Lord Jesus Christ. I guess that's why he could call me. God knew he can give me this because he knew if I was, was going to back down my kids and back down my family, I was definitely going to back down everybody else. Sometimes God just stops when he looked at you. If you can't defend him in your own house, how are you going to defend him in the world? Oh, yeah, it's a, this is a, a, a bitter price, but it's a bittersweet one because the sweetness of our God is worth it. And I just want somebody, whoever you are, I don't know, are, are you listening to me? Are you catching it? I don't know who you are, but God is saying, stop apologizing to your children because you're Christians. Stop that. Because you're making God look very bad and very weak, and you're giving them permission to go hunt for another God and to find another way. Well, you know, baby, we don't, we don't, you know, I talked to a young mother one day, and she said, you know, baby, we don't, we don't have enough money because, you know, mom has to say, uh-uh, no, no, that's not why you don't have enough money. You don't have enough money because you don't want to work any more hours. You don't have enough money because you don't want to work any harder. You, you don't want to have enough money because you, you don't have enough money because you don't want to be sleepy. You don't want to be tired. You, you don't want to be out of the house. You don't want to miss your favorite television show. You don't want to miss your phone call. See, there's a whole lot of, a whole lot of other reasons before we get to Jesus. A lot of reasons that you aren't willing to face up to. 
Because especially in this country, but in any country, but especially in our country, I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, workers kept a couple of jobs. I had to work two full-time jobs when my kids were young, and they were babies. But if you want it, you work for it. See, the reason you don't do it as Christians is because we bought into that. If it's God, God's going to give it to you. It's easy. You're not going to have to work hard for it. It's going to knock on your door, drop in off the drone. Somebody's going to bring it on by. We bought into that, and we don't realize how psychologically restrained we are and that that was meant to make us lethargic, too lethargic to pursue our destiny or prosperity. Now you have to change your mind. Change your thinking. Somebody hear me. Change your thinking. Because the world, the same God that comes to your church, runs the world and puts everybody on the highway every day in what we call drive time, driving to work. And then he snarls them up in traffic every day for hours on end to go get a paycheck to take care of themselves. Because if he didn't, we'd all be like beach whales on his beaches, on his sand, going nowhere, doing nothing with no purpose. And that is not his way of life. And like I said, as hard as it is for us to accept, God works nonstop. I mean, he only gave himself one day off. One day off. How, bless his heart, just one. And that's because he just wanted to relax, refresh with us. And I just think that's marvelous. But I want to say to whoever you are, stop. I'm, no, no, I'm saying to everybody who's listening, stop being a quitter. Fight to not just to complete or win, but fight to get what you went after. People ask me, well, how is it that you never stop? Because I didn't start this thing to stop. Stopping was not my goal. I was pursuing a goal, and there were times that the stopping, the setback did hinder, did slow, did, and some of them were needful. They made us think. We had to evaluate our way and, and, and evaluate what was going on. But I didn't stop because I didn't get in this thing to stop. You know, some of you all are divorced because you got in it to divorce. Well, if it doesn't work out, we'll just divorce. That's why you're divorced. You put your own self-fulfilling prophecy on your marriage. Some of you all took a job. Well, if that doesn't work, I'll go on. And then you let me, I mean, how would you going to know that the market was going to take a downturn? But I didn't get in this to quit. I do, if I'm not going to finish, I pretty much won't start. And if I'm not going to master it, I'm not going to touch it. And I plan to win. And a few times, and listen, I wish I could say I started off this way, but I've always been persistent. But there are a couple of times you get hooked up with God and you're ready to quit. God's like, uh-uh. And he will grip you and not let you put that thing down until he gets the finished product he wants. He's going to give you some, God's going to breathe on you. You'll have some enlightenment. I'm telling you, you'll have some strength. You're going to have power. Like, you're going to think you're superhuman until he gets his project. And then he says, thank you, because he's going after project. Is this helping any of you? What, is, what, is, what are they saying to me, Ashley? Well, someone just said minor setbacks make major comebacks. I love it. Yeah. Put that on a T-shirt, yeah. whatever you be. Someone, uh, Sandro, he said, I plan to win. <laughs> exactly. Not to quit. I don't plan to quit. I don't start something to quit. Well, if it doesn't work out, I just will drop it. I don't, mm -mm. My time, my efforts are very expensive, and I value them. So I don't. How about you? Anything? They quiet, huh? Okay. Are they quiet? 
Okay. Are y'all quiet, Pastor? They my friend. I want you all. I want you all to think differently about your assignments from God. If you can believe God to help you keep your job, if you can believe God to help you finish what you started, if you can believe God to bring your children home, get college money, you can believe God for the thing he called you to do. You cannot ask God to work harder for you to depart from him than he does for you to be with him. That's just it's just kind of crazy. But tonight, tonight, yes. Are you ready? We're going to the screen. And the screen is, of course, our famous book, ABCs of Apostleship. If you haven't gotten it, do get it. We're going to go back and start from the beginning. Now that we have a stronger following, we're just going to start again teaching the ABCs of apostleship. But since we're on organic Christianity, they're kind of dovetailing off of each other. Book two, this Tuesday night um, broadcast is about discipling apostolic Christians, and that's how we started. And then we realized apostolic Christians are truly scripturally organic because the apostles brought us the pure word of God. If you look on the screen, it says apostolic Christians as eternity's first breed predate the church on earth. We are the, listen, we did not, we were not born on earth. God sent the Christian and he sent Christianity to the planet. So look at your screen. It says new era, apostleship, Christianity. And here's the question. What happened to Christ? You know, Christians everywhere are asking, what happened to Christ? Okay, again, you see our seal, scripturally, organic Christianity, the body of Christ, the word of God, the bread of God, and look at us. We're certified, 100% culture-free, culture-free, the apostle seal, the scripture, organic Christians. You have to know that. Now, how is that? I'll just put this up here to lead into what I'm saying, but can you see the subjects that, that occupy we want to talk about God's organic vine. Apostolic Christians are God's organic vine. I am the vine, Lord of branches. So we are in the Jesus Christ as the vine. We're his scripture. Um, we're the bread of Christ, all right? And then understanding cultural modifiers. We're going to talk about that tonight. And we're going to detect some cultural modifications. And then we're going to understand cultural modifications. And then we're going to, and along down the road, help you understand apostleship churches. Hallelujah. Isn't that nice to see? Aren't we getting there? But here is the question. Now, are you ready? You ready? Okay, let's go. Christians are asking, what happened to Jesus Christ's Christianity? The answer is culture. Culture happened to Jesus Christ's Christianity. We are told, and these are wonderful little pictures there, that culture is and has always been the key. This is good. Stay with me. And so this little note says culture is the way you think, act, and interact. I disagree. I think that's the skin of culture. These are the cultural skin. The skin of culture is what you, how you think, act, and interact. The soul of culture is what you believe. 
and the spirit of culture is the God that started it all. See, culture has skin. And so you, we, we have bought into the skin, the, the outer uh, sheath of culture. So the skin is how you think that's what the world sees and that's what they hear. But understand, those are all external, internal are motivations. And before motivations, there's inspiration. Let's look at this. So here's the question. So who determines the way you think, act, and interact? Who made culture the key? Number two, where do the rules of culture come from? Who makes them up? You know, we had this whole thing of politically correct that was just running rampant, you know? And it still tries, but people have realized, I don't like that correct. And that's not my politics. So it's kind of wobbly, but we have a lot to do to destabilize it. But that was when, who, I, I used to walk around saying, but who is politically correct? Who are the PC people? Where are the PC police? I wanted to know. Next, who decides what passes for culture? Sometimes you don't understand things because you ask the wrong questions. So who decides that? Where are these decisions being made? Where is this great chamber? I know we have think tanks and, and, and we have all of those kind of thought leaders, but what are they thinking and why don't why aren't we a part of it? By the time we get it, they started out, worked it out, and handed it out. Who decreed a change of culture? And then who governs the shift of culture? You see, before you start accepting culture as it is, you need to ask yourself these questions. And then if someone is telling us that culture is and always has been the key, I want to know what? The key to what? We need to let, stop letting people drop these words on us and not ask what that means. You know? We are to our last president said, I'm just here for change. What change? We don't know. Spare change? Tired change? What are we changing? We don't know. And we get so caught up in slogans, we never think about it. You buy stuff where people say, question everything. Really? You know, don't let people tell you what to do. The rules are made to be broken. Well, break the rule in your moving car and see how that turns out. You know, there are no absolutes. Oh, that's a deep one. You think so? Jump out your building. Go up to the tallest building and just jump out. And all the way down, I want you to define absolute for me. Because we take, we take partial smoke. The whole idea of how Satan gets you to buy in things is he takes and he gives you the, 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 the sizzling bits and pieces. When I, was working, uh, when I was working as an account executive, we would have marketing training, and it was all sell the sizzle. Well, now we move from selling the sizzle to selling the sex. And then we move from selling sex to selling outright senselessness. And so we have to ask these questions. Who, who determines what is and is not culture and what is consistent with it? Where do the rules of culture come from? You should ask these questions. Churches have roundtables and never ask anything deep. I want you to come and sit at my roundtable. Why? To argue over whether the jot and the tittle, whether it was the Nicene Council or not, I could care less about that. I'm struggling to make it every day, and the people I'm dealing with are getting eaten for cake. What are we doing about that? All, for all of the roundtables we had, nobody was able to pick up the fact that we had lost this man's kingdom and his church and his hold in the world. 
We didn't talk, no, we didn't talk about that. Matter of fact, when we talked about it, we talked about, well, what are you going to do? We're going to tell the truth. That's what we're going to do. Well, you know, that's the devil. That's how they say, well, we can't hurt people with Jesus Christ. They're hurting us with Satan. Man, we're bloody as we want to be with Satan. We got all kinds of satanic stripes all over us trying to figure out what happened. Can't pray. Can't stand, can't sing a praise, can't wear a Christian shirt to, to, to a, a, a non-Christian school. Come on, people. We are striped. And these stripes, mm-mm, these are not the ones we're supposed to wear. We're supposed to wear the stripes of Christ. As you can see, we're going to get striped. Somebody's going to get striped somewhere. Hallelujah. Moving on. So let's talk about this. So I just pulled some of this off of the Internet to understand. The one is, uh, most of it is from reference.com in case you want to check it out. But if they, they have a thing, um, what are the eight traits of culture? Well, you're going to appreciate this. And I, I, I can I see it popping? Okay, Zoom, girl. All right, quick answer. Culture is, the, now this is their definition, is defined by attributes such as social sharing, religion, history, language, economics, art, music, and government. These characteristics affect how people live their lives in the Western culture, Eastern culture, Latin America, Middle East, and Africa. What is culture is the characteristics and knowledge of a particular group of people defined by everything from language, religion, cuisine, social habits, music, and art. And I bet you thought you were your own person. Didn't you feel like that? I'm my own person. You wear those little crunchy jeans every day because it's your individuality, right? Yeah. You realize that those little raggedy jeans that people wear to tear them up and whatnot, that's culture. Somebody decided that, and they just agreed with that decision. Moving on, because I have a little bit more. So what are examples? I thought you'd appreciate this one. What are examples of Dominant culture, quick answer, examples of the dominant culture in the United States include English-speaking, believing in a Protestant Christian religion, and having European ancestry. Now, how are you going to tell us that we're not a Christian nation if that's what you just said that in a reference.com? All right, the dominant culture of a society establishes its mainstream social customs, language, values, and religion. Specific characteristics of the dominant culture become the standards for the entirety, entire society. The majority population of a culture generally sets the dominant culture, sometimes obtaining dominance through control. This culture war that we're in is to change, change power and obtain dominance through control. All right, so we're, they're going to fight it out. All the screaming in the streets and the yelling and whatnot, the vile stuff we're seeing, that's a culture class because they're trying to take down Christianity. You think it's about this president. It is not. We just saw that. Now, historically, the dominant culture has often exercised control over law, communication, political processes, educational institutions, business practices, and creative Expression sounds very close to the seven mountains and the seven spheres to me. A culture is dominant within society when that culture establishes the specific behaviors or a set of rituals, values, and social customs. I don't know about you, but I think that's worth a slam. A culture is dominant. See, now you understand why it was important to put a president in power who would push the gay agenda. 
because they control law. They did it through law. They did it through communications, political processes. Why do you think they were upset that we ended up somebody forgot how, to, how we got a president in the place? Because all of this was supposed to have been a done deal. What happened to Jesus Christ, Christianity? Now, if you have been paying attention to all that I've been telling you, then you should have seen one thing keep popping up, actually three, but one more than all of the rest. Can you think of what that is? Private asking. Norman, you want to take a stab at it? You're off the hook if you don't, if you want, because I know you were swinging the camera. Religion. Religion pops up every time you touch culture. Religion. If you remember going back some time, and I don't know the date or the week or, or the hour, sound like the Lord Jesus when he's coming back. <laughs> I don't know, but nobody knows. But we did a teaching on the God of the homosexuals. Remember that? And so I just want you to go back, if we can find that, those of you who haven't seen it, you should look at it. Religion, the, the, the God of the occultists. We know it's Satan. We call it Gaia, Mother Gaia. Well, you know Mother Gaia is the dirt, the dirt on the ground. So if that means it's these ancient goddesses, and if these are these ancient goddesses, they came into existence by the ancient gods. I know that we don't think so, but that's pretty much the story of most of them. So here we are today fighting with it. So here's a little bit more on, on culture. Social groups and culture permit people within a region to share what they know or learn. Religion, hear this, religion helps people in a society contemplate the meaning of life. Now, that's not why we have Christianity. We don't have, we didn't get saved because we wanted to know the meaning of life. So that shows the difference between us and world religions. Christianity is about what you're doing in afterlife, whose God you belong to. This is not some sort of contemplative experience. Religions in Western culture include Methodism, uh, Catholicism, while the main religions in the Eastern culture are Buddhism and Confucianism. The history of an area explains the people's reasons for their actions, while language is a tool used to culturally communicate. Daily habits show what people in a culture elect to wear and what they choose to eat. How much free will you have? Because, see, we're always talking about the free will that we got. So how much free, how free is your will? All right? For example, people in Western culture often eat fast food, such as hamburgers and french fries, while people in the East eat rice as a staple food. Middle Eastern staples include hummus and manakish, and culture is also defined by economics, which is fueled by how people make their living and how they acquire the items they need. Arts and music reveal how culture expresses itself through sculpture, crafting, paintings, song, and dance. Did anybody even pay attention to where music is going? See, all of this, somebody contrived. And they started out, they had classes, they put it in every area, etc. for a reason. And so the, the truth is, you know, the, the, the truth is you need to be able to understand, this is important, what the fight really is. Because we have Christians talking about, well, you know, God's a loving God. There was nothing love up in here. We didn't talk about love at all. We talked about 
ultimately the subtle thing in here is class takeover, class takeover, class takeover, and dominate. That's what that's what this has been all about. And when you go online and look up culture, my God, it's all about letting people continue worship and serve, etc., the way they are, because we've allowed them to downgrade Christianity to a pantheonic religion where Jesus is just one of many gods because we couldn't defend our Savior. We just couldn't defend our God. Now, they defend theirs, but we couldn't defend ours. With those who have gods, because some of them claim not to have gods, and that's a whole other thing. Here's something that's interesting. Adoption entails taking up the traits of another culture as your own. I don't know about you. I think that's pretty good. That's pretty deep, isn't it? So when you start talking about I'm a Christian, but, well, I was a Christian, but I'm no longer a Christian, or I tried, and now I'm following something else. I just want you to understand that you've been adopted. Now, here's something. When you adopt something, it also adopts you. So the question that's not answered in this statement is who is adopting you? Because Scripture said we were adopted in the beloved. We were adopted by God. So who, who is adopting you? All culture has a root in deities. Culture comes from that. Go look it up. Don't take now. Now here's what here's what's so interesting because the whole idea was to seduce you by taking God out of the picture, taking personified deities off the table. So the idea was to seduce you by making you think that it's faith and that it's an experience and that it's exploration and contemplation of whatever pops in your mind. But you're not in control of that. We know that because, come on, all of the things that we feast on are defined and designed by someone else. These are not your choices. You did not say you wanted that scene in that movie. All they said was just don't go see it. But if you don't like it, leave the theater. Yeah, you don't mind if I'm leaving the theater because you already took my money. So you don't care how many of us run through and hate your trash. You've got our money, and you don't have to give it back because, after all, you showed us for you, you you had a production and you did you kept up your end of the bargain. There was some picture on the screen that we didn't like it, tough on us. We should have known better. You know, when you hear them say, Oh yeah, these movies like they only counting money and tickets, they're not counting all the people who like it or didn't like it. And a lot of times people just go and fall asleep in the movie. They don't know whether they like it or not. You have to assume it's popular. But that's part of the game. Almost done. So let's look at this, the spiritual roots of culture. Culture's roots are always spiritual because life is always spiritual. You know, we talk all of these years, they talk about talking us out of Christianity because we are supposed to be a, 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 a nation without any, a secular nation not believing in any deity. And you know what? All these people got gods behind the scenes. All of them got their little rituals in the basement. They got their little rituals in the back room. They go to each other's mansions and do all kinds of crazy things. They do all of that and still come out and tell you because Satan's a deceiver. There is no way to live on planet Earth and not be interested or curious about its invisible power and also not to encounter them. I don't care if the only encounter you have is old age and death. That's all about a deity. So what feeds the habits, language, education, recreation, dress, and practices of culture? 
What feeds it? You should know that. When you go shopping, you should figure out, why am I buying this outfit? Why am I following this? Well, I like it because I, I like Beyonce. And she was wearing it. Well, Beyonce just told you she was upgraded to a goddess. So you're now dressing for a goddess. And, you, and you're trying to serve, say you serve Jesus Christ. Well, I just, I like it because I just, I mean, I really like Lady Gaga. But hey, they done made her high priestess or something. So you know, you still, every man, somebody going to write a song for, with that phrase, and you watch. I'm going to get me a song. Somebody's going to say, every man walks in the name of his God. Everyone. There is not a person on the planet who is not walking in the name of some deity, whether they believe it or not, whether they publicize it or not. The, the issue is you have the Holy Ghost to tell you what God they're walking in. Okay, I've got four minutes, so I'm going to finish up on this. Number one, deity. The center of all culture is a deity. You can't get around it. Every man walks in the name of their God. Every plot of land in the planet has a deity over. Deuteronomy says that. That God divided the earth according to the sons of God. And we look, we thought about, huh? You mean people? There were no people. When he divided the earth, there was no people. There was Adam and Satan. The people and God. We had a cast of characters of three people. We got the fourth one when the wife came. So four people populated earth. And yet we had four rivers and we had the, the water streams. We had the garden. Somebody did that without people being in the planet. Moving on. And then worship. So the deities wants worship. That, that's what this is all about. Let's work. How do you, and worship is not just singing songs and clapping your hands and dancing. You know, that's the, that's the skin. The skin is all of that. But the soul is your motivation and the spirit is the inspiration. Don't ever forget that, because that makes a lot of things fit if you stop saying, well, you know, we're three, four beings, spirit, soul, and body. Everybody's like, yeah, that's nice. Now what? What is, mo what is moving your body? Motivation is moved. What is moving your body? Motility, motor, what is doing that? And then what is fueling that motor? Okay, so we got, we got, there she goes. Hey, guys, is she on it or what? All right, we've got religion. And then we've got beliefs. And lastly, we have ritual. So these are the things that are fueling every culture. So before you get to the outerwear, your clothes, your arguments, your thoughts, your debates, your protests, etc., you need to have a little more investigation as to who's moving this machine and to what advantage is it that you go this direction. I'm very clear on Jesus Christ. I am so clear on my faith. I don't have it. You know, people are stunned because don't you have any question? Not one. If I ha and I'm gonna tell you, I don't even have curiosity any longer. I mean, he just handled that. I used to have a few of those left. He took those. I am very 100% clear on Jesus Christ. I know how he's God. I know how he got to be God. I know how he began this life. I know why he does what he does. I understand his responsibilities. I understand his duties. I understand the tough things he's faced, the hard calls he's made. I understand the love that he has that causes him to do the most ridiculous things for us, even at the cost that they are. I know that. I know he has a kingdom. I know he has 
pounds, I understand that I don't have curiosity about the God I serve. Not one, which is why I can talk to you four times a week about the God we all serve. God bless you. We will connect again Thursday morning, 11 o'clock on the Paul Fry Show, and again Thursday evening on Prophetic Ed. Hey, pass this around. This is good stuff. Pass it, pass it, pass it around. Share it, share it, share it. Teach it, etc. God bless you, and good night.